Nothing is private. Nothing is sacred. We are the Spy-Fi Guys, and this is the Lives of Others. Welcome to the Spy-Fi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And today we have The Lives of Others, our first German-language movie, although I guess technically parts of the very beginning of Valkyrie was in was in German, but not you know not, not the entirety of it. Yes, that's correct. So normally we jump back and forth between movies that are based on a true story and movies that are completely fictional. This mm-hmm. time we are making an exception. The Lives of Others is not based on a true story directly. However, right. it's so serious and dark and so different <laughs> from what we normally do for our fictional movies that we're making an exception this time. Yeah. So yes, this movie came out in 2006, and it won an Oscar for Best Foreign Language Feature. Huh, I didn't know that. Okay, interesting. Now, had you seen this before? I had, yes. Okay. And I remember thinking it was overrated at the time. I heard it was, like, amazing, and Uh I did not feel that way. How I felt the second time around? Well, you're going to have to listen till the end to find out. With that, shall we go into our, uh, our haikus and whatnot? Yeah, so as always, I have brought a poetry synopsis of the movie before we get to the actual one. And here is the haiku. Wiretapped writer. Sympathy costs career. Thank you, HGW. Hmm. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. And then here is the limerick poetry synopsis. There once was a man from the Stasi who got a new job from his bossy. Chris is true to her love, but oh. when push came to shove, there are lines you don't want to crossy. Oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, wow. Just a little Ouch. levity before we get into the very serious movie. Fair enough, fair enough. And then here is the real IMDb plot summary. In 1984 East Berlin, an agent of the secret police conducting surveillance on a writer and his lover finds himself becoming increasingly absorbed by their lives. Alrighty, and I do think it's interesting that the movie takes place in 1984, right? Like the George Orwell. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Yeah, so yeah, we've got like a couple of title cards here. First one says 1984, East Berlin. Glasnost is nowhere in sight. The population of the GDR, which stands for what? The German Democratic Republic. Republic. That's what I I figured out at the very end. Oh, that's what that means. Yeah. Yeah. The population of the GDR is kept under strict control by the Stasi the East German secret police. Mm -hmm. It's force of 100,000 employees and 200,000 informers safeguards the dictatorship of the proletariat. (laughs) It's in its declared goal to know everything. So first, before we get into the movie, let's think about those numbers. 100,000 people. That's okay. Here's a reference that we'll both get, I think. Uh That is the size, the 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 capacity of the big house stadium in michigan is 107 people so imagine that place filled to the brim and that's the entire workforce yeah it's definitely quite mind-boggling to think about it i thought it was in this movie where it said something like a quarter or a third of the entire population were police informers mm. i don't but that is not the case that in this movie okay well it, no it wasn't said in this movie so i don't know where it came from and that statistic okay. could be completely wrong so mm-hmm. 
I've always been curious about the idea of living in a place like this where someone's always listening to you and right. unlike your iPhone, they actually have <laughs> malicious intent behind it. <laughs> and you actually could get in trouble for what you say. And I was hoping the movie would capture that feeling. I don't feel like it did, but it definitely mm. sets that right yeah. away. And then the other number, 200,000 informers. So the only thing that I've been at where there's close to 200,000 people is I, um, I've worked at con a convention called CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, hmm. is, which is in Vegas, that has a, had attendance of 182,000 people hmm. and on top of that, you know, that, which is basically takes up all of Vegas and just the amount of people there is ridiculous. So that many people as informers is just as a terms of scale is crazy. Yeah. Not to mention you have to like keep track of them all and write down what mm -hmm. they have to say and figure you have to out have a very good bureaucracy for that. Yeah. That's, that's communism for you. <laughs> all right. So we start with an interrogation in November of 1984. There's a guy who's brought into the temporary detention, temporary detention center. Let me get that's enunciate there. He gets interrogated. Apparently his neighbor fl fled to the West and they think he had help, but the guy denies it. So this takes place in Hachenschenhausen, which is yeah. better known as the Stasi prison. And you can go and visit it in East Berlin, which I did in or, 2020. Well, former East Berlin. Well, the East part of Berlin then, if yeah, you want to get technical. Yeah. <laughs> and I went to a room very much like this. And I remember they told us about how they would make people sit on their hands, just like they do uh, in the movie. Interesting. So, all right. So we f flash forward sort of to an intercut of the interrogator, whose name is Houtman Gerd Weisler. Weisler? Weisler? I think it's Weisler. Yeah. Weisler, thank you. Teaching a class and using the recording as a training at the Stasi College. Mm -hmm. And so we cut back to the interrogation. The man has been sleep deprived. The students are listening and one like asks how long he's been sleep deprived. And he makes a point about how people who are telling the truth will give variations of answers uh, after a while. Whereas if you're telling a lie, you have this one specific uh, wording that you will keep using over and over again. Interesting. And right? I wonder how true it is. Well, Christian, have you read those books as like how to spot a liar that they sell in the spy museum? Um, briefly. I think I flipped through one of those. Yeah. I'm not sure I would want to know, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. And also this part was interesting because there's a part where one of the students says, I think you're being like too harsh on him or something. Right. And Weasler does he, a little like, writes X. down his name. <laughs> yeah. So I was hoping that would be through, like the whole movie of the idea. And they're, they're, they do. They do it a lot. But mm -hmm. that was a really good way to start. Like one slip up and it's all over. I go into a yeah. gulag or something. <laughs> he also says that an innocent person will get mad for being uh, yes. unjustly yep. accused. Whereas... Like a guilty person will get quiet, but then I'm also kind of like, well, you live in a totalitarian state. Why would you get mad? Like, that's a fair know. point. Yeah, it's like, yeah, my reaction would be more like I'm screwed, whether I was innocent or not. So, but the guy in, who's being interrogated eventually reveals who helped his neighbor. So it turns out that uh, Weisler, Weisler, I keep, I'm gonna go with Weisler. Okay, uh, sure, was correct. <laughs> so. Weisler gets invited by his old friend and now superior Lieutenant Colonel Grub Grubitz to the theater. And Weisler develops an infatuation with the main actress, Krista Marie, who we find out is dating the writer of the play, Georg Draymond. Okay, so Christian, here's my yes. question for you. Do you think Weisler actually like was in love with Krista? 
Um, I think he like was taken in by her. It may not have been necessarily love. Like, yeah, certainly at this part he notices her, but then the whole rest of the movie it doesn't really. It's not sustained. Well, okay, that's why I said infatuated, but not necessarily in a romantic sense, but more of a, like a fascination with her. Yeah, I could see that. I yeah. could see that. But yeah, so uh, yeah, Krista Marie, we find out is dating the the writer of the play, Georg Draymond. Uh, and Weisler is suspicious of Draymond and recommends that he be watched. Mm-hmm. And we cut to a go to um, Colonel Grubitz, or Grubitz talking to uh, the party minister Hemp, who uh, is also infatuated with uh, Krista Marie. Did it jump out to you right away that it was happening because this minister? No. 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 Well, it's revealed no. later. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Grubitz passes off uh, Weisler's, you know, instincts as his own, and saying we should watch him. And he's like, "This is why you're in the you're you're a rising star in the Stasi." Mm. We find out that Draymond is having a party, and so we cut over to there, where it's revealed that his former director, whose name is Jerska, has Western sympathies and is blacklisted. Although the party doesn't like to use that word. <laughs> no, of course not. And yeah, we see here that yeah, party minister Hemp is definitely into Krista Marie. Mm-hmm. So we have Weisler starting to watch Draymond at first, just you know, watching his comings and goings. But he also organizes a team to install bugs in the house and like sets up a perch inside the attic. Yeah, I didn't realize it was directly above their heads. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Very close. But then I'm like, well, the technology at the time, they can't do wireless, no, really. No. So they probably thought it was darn convenient that they live on the upper floor. Yep. And he also has a, a, a one of their neighbors catches them. And he, like, basically threatens... He uses both carrot and stick here because mm-hmm. he threatens him, but also says, we should send her a present. <laughs> well, so what's cool about this part is that as soon as he sees the neighbor, he knows who she is how to leverage her, and just immediately is like, bam. So you can tell that he's done this kind of thing before. Or he did his homework before they got there. I like to imagine probably, more that he just probably memorized. Both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Draymond goes to visit his old director, Driska, and he tells him that there's hope for lifting his blacklisting from when he talked to Minister Hemp at the party. There's, in that same party, somebody accuses somebody else of being part of the Stasi, but no one else no, seems to yet. care. That's the other oh, that's party. A little bit late. There's yeah. just too many parties. They're always going to parties. And then there's the party. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Whistler has his surveillance post set up in the attic, and he's listening as they have a 40th par- birthday party for Draymond. And at mm. the party, Jerska's sitting by himself. Here's the party where... Another guest, Hauser, who is seemingly another writer or someone, one of the, in the arts. Right. Accuses the director that replaced Jerska of being with the Stasi. So here's here's where that happens. Yeah, but like nobody else at the party really seems to care. No, but someone hears about it because Weisler starts to write up his report about what's happening. Mm. And we find that Jerska gave Draymond sheet music for a sonata for a good man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weisler is continue, you know, continuing to write up his his report and saying that they opened their gift, and presumably, presumably they, what was this phrasing? I forget it here. 
Doesn't they say they have? Oh, they have. Oh, they had. This, presumably, they have intercourse. Hey, don't give away my like favorite that. line. That's like <laughs> the best part of the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, as he's typing up, he gets relieved by Leve, who's the night shift. It does make me wonder, and I didn't look it up for the spy fact versus fiction. Is yeah. when police nowadays survey people, do they write mm-hmm. down everything everything they do, or just the things that are pertinent? I think it would probably depend on the person. That's fair. We go back to the Stasi College where. Lieutenant Colonel Grubitz has lunch with Weisler, and apparently in his reports, one of the cars that he reported mm. belonged to Minister Hempf, uh, who was bringing Krista Marie home, and they cannot monitor top officials, so he removed it from the report. And he tells Weisler now, nothing written anymore regarding Hempf, just spoken, and that it basically this was all because of Hempf that they're doing yeah. this. He's trying to knock out a rival. Do you also like the file room that we see at this part here? Uh, I don't remember it, actually. So, yeah, there's just a room with files upon files upon files of all the people in the GDR, uh, uh-huh. which reminded me of the prisoner with the, the automatic uh, arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I don't remember that. Uh, well, I, mean, I remember that from the prisoner. I don't remember that from here. It's very brief, I guess. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I must have like looked away writing notes as I was as that part. Yeah, happened. exactly. But yeah, so Grubitz knows that this is going to be tricky. This could be good for their careers, but to Weisler, it's not, you know, for the good of the party. And he's kind of miffed that it's just about, you know, taking out a romantic rival. It's Chernobyl all over again. I know that we talked about it before. Have you not, have you not seen Chernobyl no. the show yet? Oh my God. No. It's great. I know. I know. The main point of it is that, like, this is how the communist system ran. Was It was all about looking good and being loyal to the guy above you and not making anybody mad. Well, that's like in what's that? The, the man who saved the world as well. Yeah. It's even, it's like that too. Well, so I mean like, yeah. so communists are supposed to be like against the meritocracy and everyone's the same, and, but, it's, but not. it's not. It's basically like how high up in the party you are. Yep. That's what matters. Not how smart you are or anything like that. But you also get a scene where uh, Grubitz messes with some junior officers in the cafeteria this is like the, do you think I'm funny? You think I'm funny from uh, Goodfellas? <laughs> yep. Yeah, which I, I think I told you I only recently watched. Yeah, didn't you say but, you've been watching Scorsese movies or was that something I was, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's exactly like that, yeah. Did you really think the guy was in trouble at first? The young guy? I was, at first, no, no, but just, just like in Goodfellas. At first, no, but then yes, mm-hmm. but then it came back around again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We actually, do you remember we see him later? No. Oh, okay. is he one of the other people? We'll talk about it. All we'll right. We'll talk about it on Passover, yeah. So back at Draymond's apartment, Weisler continues to monitor Draymond and Krista Marie. We see Krista Marie getting picked up on the street by Hemp. Yeah, and, and she has a, doing her fur hat. <laughs> it's like her giant <laughs> fur hat. <laughs> yep, yep. And they have sex in the back seat of the car with Krista Marie pretty unwillingly participating yeah, it's a total Me Too, Harvey Weinstein kind of situation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets dropped off at Draymond's apartment. And here's what I was wondering. So someone is ringing the bell for Draymond, and he, like, buzzes him, but, like, they like keep ringing it. So that was Weasler who did that. Was it Weasler? Yeah, yeah. So he had some kind of setup where when Weasler okay, hits a I button. Okay, I thought it was, but I was like, yeah. I, wanted, I didn't quite catch it. Yeah, it goes from surveillance so to operations. So he's already, like, meddling in their relationship. and He's doing what the boss wanted him to do, which is to try to break them up. Because he uh... calls 
this this part was really good. He calls yeah. Draymond over to the door so Draymond sees yeah. Krista getting out of the car with the minister. Okay, see that I didn't connect that. I thought I didn't realize that's what he was doing there, but that makes sense now. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And then my note here is everyone is sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also unclear if Draymond knows exactly what's going on. Right, but there's like, enough does suspicion. Does he know in there, who's yeah. going? Yeah, that where she's going and everything. And then Leve again comes to relieve Weisler as like, you know, he's listening to Krista, Marie, and Draymond in like a very tender moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is the part where the prostitute comes to visit, visit Weisler yep. as well. So this part, what I was thinking here was I can see why Weisler or Weisler or whatever gets so into... Well, pick one, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he, why he's so into them, the couple, Draymond and yeah. Krista, because Draymond especially... He's like the total opposite of Weasler. Like, mm. he plays soccer with kids. He has a woman who loves him. He has a job that he cares about. He has the respect and admiration of his peers. And there's, like, all this love as opposed mm. to Weasler's, like, sterile apartment where there's nothing. He doesn't even really seem to have any, like, friends. No. Just people he gets along with at work. And he's very, yeah, like, he's closed just- off. Yeah. Closed off and lonely is what it is. That, that's mm-hmm. what, like, that part strikes home to me is that, like, yeah, just the emptiness of his place and then the, the fact that he, he like, even asks the, the prostitute to stay because he, right. he just wants some companionship. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nope, I got another appointment in half an hour. Yeah, which I didn't really understand why Weasler was so, like, lonely, because he doesn't seem, like, weird or anything. I guess, I wonder if everyone's afraid of him because of his job. If they know what his job is, yeah. Yeah, I would suspect that might be the reason. Or maybe he just knows too much about everybody, again, because of his job. So we go back to Draymond's apartment, where it's revealed that one of their friends, Hauser, the one who spoke up at the party, now has a travel ban enacted, which... I wonder, was that directly because of uh, Weasler's report, do you think? I wouldn't or be Or did surprised. someone else talk about it? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, because of what he, certainly because of what he said at the party, the question of who yeah. told the party about the party, yep. you know, that, that, <laughs> that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Or not. Um, uh, I yeah, also so, wanted to say, I also want to say very yeah. briefly, I like Weasler's jacket. I also like that jacket. I'm like, ooh, where can I get that jacket? It looks like it's right out of Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah. So I I also enjoy here where, you know, uh, Draymond can't find his book on Bricked, and we find out it's because Weasler is reading it. Yeah, he breaks into their house at one point and, like, walks around very creepily. A bit more on the sad note, Draymond gets a call that Jerska hung himself, his old director. Hanged himself. Hanged it, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, you're, I mean, everybody gets that wrong. Yeah. Draymond goes over to the piano to play the shoot music, the sheet music that Jerska gave him. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know. Is this in Weasler's apartment or is this in Draymond's apartment when they're in the elevator? I think it's, it's Weasler's. But yeah. I, I really like this part. Yeah. The part, the part with the kid, you mean? Yeah. yeah. So the kid asks if he's really with the Stasi. And he's like, what do you know about the Stasi? He's like, my dad says they're bad men who put men in prison. And he's about to ask, what's your dad's name? But he's, he stops himself and said, what's the name of your ball? Yeah, so that shows that he's already starting to change. Like, mm-hmm. Draymond's starting to affect him and making him a better person. Mm-hmm. And by a better person, I mean less complicit with the regime, of course. Right, yeah, yeah. So back at the Stasi College... 
Hempf is in a car with Grubbitz, and he's in, disappointed the lack of progress in finding anything on anything on Draymond. So mm. Hempf has his driver monitor Krista Marie anytime she's not with him. And Grubitz updates Weisler about the canceled visa, reminds Weisler that it could be bad for both of them if this doesn't work out. Mm. You know, if Weisler is in fact in love with Krista, then this movie has a love quadrangle. <laughs> or a love yeah. rectangle, maybe? Or square? Mm, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Everyone wants a piece of Krista. Apparently. So back to Draymond's apartment. Draymond is talking to Krista Marie about his fears. He's lost the will to write. Uh, and Krista Marie is going to see Hemp, but and Draymond, you know, asks her not to go. He makes it clear that he knows, and that he also knows about her secret illness. He asks yeah, he's her like, this not whole damn system's out of order. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and to have more confidence in herself, she comes back at him saying that they're both stuck in this system, and that he gets into bed metaphorically with Hemp as well, if, right. if not physically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the party decides what they can and can't do, and they don't. she doesn't want to end up like Jerska. So, the, so I did think it was interesting how mm-hmm. the movie took the turn of having it be political, because I wasn't mm-hmm. actually expecting that. I thought the way it was going to go... It's a movie set in East Germany. How would it not be political? Well, because I thought it was going to be more about the relationship between the three characters uh, and Weasler getting too involved in their, like, li- like ordinary lives, not, like, political uh, activist lives, but uh, okay. it, you know, it didn't right, turn right. out that way. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so as, as... Just like Weasler, or just like us, Weasler is getting drawn into the drama... Right. But like right at a real, you know, pivotal moment, he gets interrupted again by Leve trying to relieve him. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is the best part. (laughs) (laughs) So my my note about here is they go drinking again. And I said to myself, why do they keep drinking vodka? They're Germans, not Russians. Eh. Well, anyways, but more importantly, so Weasley goes to the bar nearby to drink some vodka. And Krista Marie comes in. And he mm. goes up to actually talk to her, which is like probably rule number one. Never, you know, talk to the person you're surveilling. Certainly he's not supposed to be there in the first place. Yeah. He's totally acting out of line. And I also like how he fanboys over her. Yeah. You know, some things don't change. He says that he saw her on stage and that a lot of people love her, which is very true. Right. <laughs> and, but that she's more herself when she's on the stage. And he tries to convince her not to go. Without letting on that he knows. Mm-hmm. Back in Draymond's apartment, uh, the next day, Weasler reads Leve's report when when he arrives. And it's revealed that Krista Marie came back after talking with Weasler and they reconciled. So I'm wondering, they is that... being yeah. Krista Marie and uh, Draymond. Which makes you wonder, is that good for Weasler or not? It's certainly not good for his career. It's not good for his career, but I think he, I, I I don't think it's necessarily romantic interest. I think it's just a fascination with them because he's getting so drawn into their lives that he wants them to be happy as a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we're at a graveyard, and Draymond goes to Jerska's funeral, and we hear this sort of speech about suicides in East Germany, and it's a as a voiceover, and it's apparently an article that Jerska's. Uh, not Jerska, the Draymond's writing. How could Jerska write it? He's dead. Right. So he goes over to Hauser's apartment. Hauser's the guy who got, um, what you call, 
who had the travel ban on him. Mm. But Hauser is suspicious that it's bugged. He turns up a, a, a record player with music real loud to try to, you know, drown out any, uh, what they're saying. So, so this was like, yeah, I was like, this is what I was expecting the movie to be. It was like everyone uh, always on guard. surveillance. Yeah, like uh, all the time and aware of it too. Uh, but yeah, so they say, okay, why don't we go over to Draymond's place? Um, but instead they go out to a park where Hauser shows, or uh, Draymond shows Hauser the article as they're walking around. We find out apparently Krista Maria doesn't know about it. Um, Hauser mm. likes the idea of this article, but it needs to be published anonymous. And they're also not sure if Draymond's place is clean, but he has an idea of how to check if the place is clean, if there are no bugs in it. Yeah, I like this. It's like, that. this is what you tune into the Spy-Fi guys for. <laughs> so Draymond, Hauser, and a couple other friends, or well, his, no, Hauser's uncle, and then the other writer whose name is... I have it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, other guy who will uh, once I get to him in my notes later, we'll find out his name. Are discussing a potential defection, including about hiding someone under seat cushions. Hmm. Uh, Weisler overhears their plans, and he like stands and he goes to over to look up the number of the border that they're attempting to cross, and even calls it, but then hangs up. Yes, so close, and now he's complicit. Well, he's he decides, more too. He's like, you know, just this once, my friend, is what he said. Yo, stop stealing all my favorite lines. <laughs> I'm funny thing is, I don't even have them written down in here. I'm just like, I just remember them. Wow, very lines. nice. Yeah. When did you watch the movie? Uh today, earlier today. I watched it over the weekend, yeah. So uh, I needed to write that stuff down. So yeah. I guess this makes you wonder, I guess trying to leave via the wall uh-huh. isn't always a death sentence, like immediately. I mean Obviously, well, I mean, if you have papers to get you across, yes. Yeah, but I think the idea was if they were being wiretapped, yeah, then the wiretapper would inform the border police, and then it would stop them. And the, but then it's like I guess the consequences aren't that bad. I do don't know. I mean, I guess. Well, here's the here's the thing, though. I don't know if they were actually. What I think is they weren't actually sneaking anyone across. Oh, they were just gonna. Oh, so it was they like to search the car. It was gonna be empty. Exactly. Oh, that's because who else would it, like it was they they had the two of them in there. Yeah, why put anybody right. at risk if you don't have to? That's yeah. A good point. Yeah. So I think that's what their plan was. So okay. and well, and then Weisler listens as Draymond gets a call from Hauser saying the plan worked, and that they got across the border with no security search. So that's what they were really trying to tempt is any yeah. security search rather than actually sneaking someone across. Mm-hmm. Is what I, what I, how I interpreted that. The cover for them is that uh, Hauser and Draymond and the other guy whose name I mm-hmm. have later on are yeah. all writing a play together. And Weisler decides he's going to admit all of this from his report because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to show that he's complicit. Yes. The, and then the very next day, Weisler comes in and Leve has him listen as as like they're discussing the uh, suicide numbers as part of the article, and as you know, he hears that the Hauser was there, he realizes that Hauser didn't actually go to the West, mm-hmm. and he decides again to cover for them and tells Levy that they're writing a play. He's like that's and Levy's like that doesn't sound like any play I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Is this the part where they get the untraceable typewriter as well? 
Yes, yes. So, well, before that, Krista comes in and they keep up that cover that they're writing a play so that she's not involved. Yeah. But yes, and they give Draymond a new typewriter because the Stasi could identify any other typewriter by their typeface, but this is one is type that no one in East Germany has. Yeah, isn't it red type as well? Well, no, it's the they only could only find red ink ribbons for this typewriter. Oh, for this kind of so typewriter. I see, yeah. I see. Okay. And here's the clip that I'd seen before, but I didn't realize it was from this movie. I'd seen it in the uh, in the spy museum and their license to thrill gallery. Yep, I saw it there too. <laughs> yeah, where the the writers pop some champagne and the cork hits one of the bugs. He like hears it in his ear earphones yeah Whistler has like a reaction i didn't did yeah. it hit one of the bugs or was it just a sudden loud noise that he wasn't i think expecting? it hit one of the bugs because it hit like right near the light switch oh okay okay yeah. mm. back at stasi hq weissler goes to see grubitz he's mm. reading an analysis of of the art of like artists and that someone at the college had written and it's mm. like a doctoral thesis or something to that effect. Mm. He's telling Grubitz all about it. He's like analyzing Draymond with that with like the five different types of artists. They don't really break down what they, they are. They just say that Draymond is type four. Yeah, I and mean, it's certain types of personalities. Though I feel like it wouldn't just be artists. It would be everyone would have one of those five right, types of personalities. Right. And Draymond has his report with him about what they're doing. And he's deciding mm. what to do with it as... Uh, Grubitz is talking. He decides that he t- he's going to tell Grubitz that they don't need to run the you know surveillance day and night shifts anymore with such a uncertain case is what he calls it. But mm. they just need to be more flexible. So he and he doesn't want Levy on it anymore. He wants to run the f- thing full time. Yeah, it's kind of like a fictional. I guess this is a fictional movie too, where the bad guy who's turning sides is like, "I'll handle it myself." <laughs> Report directly to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> so Draymond uh, at his apartment continues to workshop the article while Weissler continues to report that they are working on a play so he like alters the report saying you know, they're struggling with writing this and this yeah he's getting more involved and Krista Marie uh, goes to the dentist and Hemp's dr- driver is watching for her mm-hmm. and in bed later Draymond tell- tries to tell Krista Marie what they're really writing but she says she doesn't need to know Right, and here's where we get some more spy stuff. Where Draymond hands off the article to someone to carry it across the border in the hidden pocket of a suitcase, which I liked. Like it's <laughs> yeah. a bot- false bottom of the suitcase. Yeah, we get some spy gadgets, not just the typewriter yeah. itself. Yeah, and then later, Draymond and Krista Marie are watching TV when the article is reported on on like the state TV. Yeah, so it made it out and it embarrassed the GDR. Mm-hmm. Yep. Someone's yep. heads are going to roll somewhere. Speaking of, Grubitz is on the phone with a very angry party official. I presume this is Hemp, but I couldn't actually pick out from the voice if it was or wasn't. Yeah, somebody. <laughs> uh, but Grubitz is t- trying to tell him that they have a copy of the original so they can identify the typeface, and then that'll help them determine who wrote it. So he yeah, goes, did you like? Did you like this dirty typeface expert? I did like this guy. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. I have some friends who are like very into fonts. So I'm like, uh-huh. this would be if, if we had lived in this world, those would be my friends. So I also liked how the guy can handle the tough questions. Mm-hmm. He was like, bam, ready to go. He yeah, really knows. Yeah, like, he, was, he may have been nerdy, but he was very knowledible about what yeah. I guess, which makes yeah. sense. And then they're like, okay, get out of here. And he just walks away. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, so he like immediately knows like all the three suspects who are all of, actually the three people who are, are actually involved. He knows exactly what kind of typewriters they use or how they use it. Like one says, you know, like writes everything by hand first and then types it up. Yeah, and he's like, this guy writes and he uses a blah 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 kind of typewriter with blah 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 kind of thing and etc. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, none of the suspects use this kind of typewriter that was written on, and there are none registered in the GDR. Uh-huh. And Grubitz asks how easy would how big it is, and he says, you know, gives a measurement. So it would be about as easy to smuggle into the GDR as a book. Yeah. So then Grubitz has an idea, and he goes has his secretary contact Wise. Yeah, and there's a cool spy moment here where Weasler almost gets caught in a lie mm-hmm. he mentions the article and then the boss is like well how'd you know about the article and he makes up that uh oh you know they Jim like talked about it yeah talked about it on the phone yeah mm-hmm. but yeah but he's getting more and more pulled in yeah right I and think he also has bo- to cover that like the editor for the uh newspaper De Spiegel was at the apartment yeah so he's totally complicit now and I was like Ooh, yeah. this is interesting like you know what's gonna happen uh, but Grubbitz senses that a writer is behind all of this, so he tells Weasler to keep his eyes, ears open. Mm-hmm. Eyes and ears, yeah. So back at Stasi HQ, Grubbitz gets into a car with Hemp. He tells Grubbitz where Krista Marie gets her illegal medicine for her illness, which is from the dentist. So basically he's turning her in. Yep, and Hemp tells Grubbitz that he never wants to see her on a German stage again. So yeah, so why do you think he's going after her? Just because she because well, oh, because she rejected him, but it was like half an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but, I like forgot yeah, about that. Stopped making her regular, you know, um, booty calls. Yeah. Well, yeah, the yeah. I liked it because it's like he doesn't forget. You know, yeah. he's like a powerful enemy who can be patient, and he can wait half the movie to get his revenge, <laughs> or a quarter of the movie. Sure. <laughs> Anyway, so Krista Marie is at the dentist again, and as she's there getting her medicine, so here's my question. What do you think her illness was? So I suspected that it was antidepressants because she lives in a communist uh, society. But they never actually like, said it, right? That would make sense, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, because if it was like a normal illness, like why couldn't she just get normal medication for it, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so she's taken by the Stasi from the dentist's office, and she's brought to Grubbitz to be interrogated. And she tries to bargain her way out. She says, you know, that she could find a lot, a lot on artists, but that doesn't work for her. She tries to offer her body, but that also doesn't work. Yeah, they, and, the guy's very creepy because he's like, normally I'd say sure, but not this time. <laughs> yeah, he, Grubbitz says that there's no way to save herself, except. Yes. Does she know anything about the article? But she does. She does, and she laughs. Mm-hmm. It's more of like kind of like a hysterical laugh, right? So back in Draymond's apartment, Draymond is in bed when the Stasi come in, and Grubitz yeah. is comes to the door and like waves up at the camera. Where it's like a horror <laughs> movie like moment, right? Where he does a yeah. creepy wave at the camera because he knows Weasler's watching. Yeah, Weasler panics. Draymond goes to check on the hiding place for the typewriter, which is like underneath a. Uh, floorboard in like a door frame mm-hmm. and Draymond you know once he checks that it's alright Draymond lets them in 
Weisler like can only hear what's going on, so he has to interpret whatever everything is happening. Mm-hmm. The Stasi search everywhere, cabinets, seat cushions, nothing to be found. So Krista, I guess she revealed a little bit, but she didn't reveal the hiding place. Right, yeah. So the Stasi leave, and then Grubitz calls Weisler and tells him to be at HQ at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Or not HQ, at the, uh, the Stasi prison at 9 a.m. So it's like, yeah, he's in trouble and something's going to happen. So Hauser tells Draymond that uh, the Stasi got Krista Marie and that she ratted on him. But Draymond knows that Krista Marie knows where the hiding space is, so she didn't tell them everything. Yeah. So when uh, Weasler gets to the Stasi prison, he's to- he reports in and to- is told to go to interrogation room 76, which immediately raises his cackles. Well, sure. It's also a nice contrast dichotomy from the beginning of the movie where he's the yep. one doing yep. interrogation. Yeah. So Weasler sits down and sees Grubitz and asks what the uh, inspection was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, Grubitz says that, you know, Dr- Draymond wrote the article and he's like, says who? And they go over to Chris Marie's cell where he like shows her Chris Marie, shows right. him Chris Marie. Yeah. But and Grubitz can't believe that Weisler was this sloppy and missed all of this. So last chance, you can interrogate. I know you're a good interrogator, so interrogate her and find out something. Right. So Grubitz is watching on the other side of one-way glass, and Krista Marie is brought in, and he has her back towards her as she enters. Mm-hmm. And as he's talking, she tur- he turns around. She doesn't appear to recognize him. Yeah, I was wondering if she would. But come why on, she would meets, she? Yeah, she meets a lot of fans. <laughs> yeah, and also she was seemingly a bit drunk then. And distracted, yeah. Yeah. she tell uh, He tells her that in nine and a half hours, the audience will be told that she can't appear on stage due to health reasons, and that will be her last mention in the world of theater. Mm. Unless she reveals where the typewriter is. Yeah. And he says that Draymond will never find out. And here's what's interesting. He starts using words that are very similar to what what he said at the bar, talking about the audience and, Mm. you know, remember your your audience, you know, and all and those phrases. Yeah. In my mind, she starts to recognize him, but doesn't quite know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like, this all sounds very familiar. But do you think by the audience he meant like, the wire, you know, the people listening in on the other side. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so she eventually tells him where the typewriter is as she gets released. And as right as she gets released, Grubitz asks someone to, you know, send Weisler over, but is told that Weisler has already left. Mm-hmm. Back at Draymond's apartment, Draymond goes home after a walk. He's walking and talking with Hauser. And Weisler is leaving just as he arrives. He ha- like hides right, you know, behind the door, basically, as as the, as uh, Draymond arrives. Yeah, doesn't he have the typewriter in his hand too? This part was pretty Oh, I didn't exciting. even notice that. Oh yeah, he did. It? He did. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't catch that. I was just watching him like I didn't mm-hmm. even notice that was in his hands. So yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, that if I rewatch that, I have to look for that. Mm-hmm. He watches from a car as Chris Marie arrives. And she tells Draymond that she was with a friend, uh, like out in the country where they had no water, so, and she desperately needs a shower. Right. And Weisler meets with Grubitz as the Stasi and 
arrive. Again. Again, <laughs> so They're like, yeah. were we just here? <laughs> and Draymond tries to talk to Krista Marie as she's showering, but she's like, pretends not to, you know, hear him. It just wouldn't be a European movie without additional nudity. <laughs> so Grobitz and the Stasi arrive at the door to inspect again. They look around briefly you know, at other places first, but then go uh, Grobitz goes over to the hiding space. And Krista Maria like comes out of the bathroom at that point and like looks real guilty and Draymond realizes that Krista Marie told them and she mm-hmm. like runs out the door. Yes. Stasi pry opened the hiding spot to find nothing. Okay, so what was your reaction when they saw when they found nothing? Because you didn't because notice I, that I Weasler did, had yeah. the typewriter. I had an idea though. Once I saw Weasler in the door, I knew he was doing something. Right. And then I immediately predicted where the rest of that, like rest of the scene, was going to go. Okay, so for you, it was a little bit more subtle. Like they, they didn't need to yeah. show you exactly what happened. Yeah, you know, put, exactly. it, put two and two It worked together. for me without seeing it in his hand. Nice. There's also a little bit of dramatic irony since the audience knows what yeah. happened. The characters don't. Yeah. And yeah. So, but not knowing that the uh, typewriter was not in the hiding space, Krista Marie, you know, runs out the door and throws herself in front of a truck. Yeah, so this happened in a, in a movie called The Debt, which is a fictional oh, yeah, version of Operation Finale, which is a movie. Is it really? Called. Yeah. It's I like the same know. story, except... Really? Because that one's got uh, some other people in it, right? Helen Mirren. That's the one, yeah. So there's an American version someone... and an Israeli version. And in the Israeli version, that's the one where the guy jumps in front of a truck to kill himself. Uh... Maybe the American one, too. But yeah, but like the story is the same. Like they go okay. to Argentina and kidnap a fictional Nazi. Really? Yeah. Maybe we could cover it at some point. There's a part yeah. where he escapes and one of the Mossad agents is sleeping. And then she wakes up to see him like standing over her with a cleaver, like Freddy Krueger or something. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, pretty I, I, lo- I, th- I would love to cover that because I've, I've, I've like had that on my list as something I wanted to watch. So yeah. Yeah, we could have done it with, with Operation Finale since it's like well, the same we always thing. Can. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so back to this movie and Krista Marie throwing herself in front of the truck. So Weisler goes over to her and she's like, I was too weak. I I couldn't, you know, do what needed to be done. And he's like, but you didn't need to do anything. Nothing. He's he's about to say, I moved the and then he like trails off as she as Draymond arrives and Krista Marie dies in his arms. So that's like dramatic irony. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, Krista definitely. didn't know the typewriter got moved, so she didn't need to kill herself. Yeah, mm-hmm. which, like, as soon as I, I, I saw Weisler in the building, and then Krista comes out, oh, I know where this is going. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did not gonna, know where it was I, going. I, I had a feeling, like, oh, she's gonna, she's gonna, fu- she's gonna think, and then uh, and she's gonna try to k- kill herself or something. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw her come out, I was like, oh, there's a truck, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at this moment, Grubitz comes over and, you know, says that the operation's complete and tells Draymond very perfunctily that they must have gotten a bad tip. Nice use of perfunctily. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so Grubitz and Weisler drive off together. Weisler is told that his career is over and that even if he was very careful to cover his tracks, he's going to be put in a cellar, steam opening letters for the next 20 years. Okay, so this part... Yeah. I don't really buy it. It's what? like oh that he got got let him get away. Yeah. Well, first of all, 
that they actually needed proof in order to put him yeah. in a gulag, which I don't actually believe. Yeah. And then second, there's enough circumstantial evidence that in a totalitarian society like this one, it's enough to put him away. Because who else could have known about the typewriter and got there in time to do it? He's just like so yeah. obvious. Like yeah. interrogation runs and he like sprints out the door, races over to the apartment. And that like, come on. Like, My read of dumb. this is that it's because they basically came up in the Stasi together and he's giving his friend like this last out as a way of like avoiding the gulag, but uh-huh. still will be shoved in a, a broom closet for the next 20 years. Oh, so there is a little bit of loyalty to his friend. I think okay. so. That I think that's what, like, cause he like, yeah, that mm-hmm. that's my read on it. Cause they are still friendly even after all of that. Yeah. No, I like that explanation. That's good too. Yeah. But you also see the newspaper, next to Weisler, where it says Gorbachev is elected as the leader of the uh, Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, we know what's coming after that. Yeah, the times change. Yeah, It's not going to be so, 20 years, as it turns out. No, we go over to Department M. Uh, four years and seven months later, Weisler is steam opening letters, and I like that I like how they do this, because this is, yeah, this is how you should, you would be <laughs> steam opening letters. Mm-hmm. And co-workers at one of his coworkers is listening to the radio and tells him the wall is coming down. They listen on the radio. And once, and like after he hears the announcement, Weisler gets up and leaves. And so do his coworkers. So one of these coworkers is Mr. Funny Man from before. <laughs> That's yes. funny. So I, I guess his big mouth might not have gotten him in trouble right then and there, but it eventually sunk his career. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really matter because the wall's down and, you know, it's a new Germany now. So I do think it's interesting that, so if I had made the movie, I would have shown, and we'll talk about this later, I would have shown the Stasi, like, destroying documents, as they famously Uh, did. Okay. I I didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's in the Spy Museum. You know, we can look into it later, but they famously were, like, trying to destroy documents, but there's, like millions of documents there's no way they could have done it all Mm. like but that was happening like while the wall was coming down right but i think it's collapsing for this story though we're not focused really on the stasi we're focused on weisler really right and what's happening with him yeah and of course you know it's informative that he doesn't get in on that yeah even though he works for the stasi right well but he works for it in the least stance now because he's literally just been steam opening letters for the last four years after betraying them yeah yeah so we go to two years later, back at that same theater where Draymond is watching the play, uh, which mm-hmm. is the same play from the very beginning, and which Krista uh, Marie had starred in. Mm-hmm. Right when it comes to one of her big speeches, Draymond leaves because he's overcome with emotion. And we see outside is Hemp, Minister Hemp says as well, who mm-hmm. apparently was also, you know, couldn't stand to watch it because it reminded him of Krista Marie. Yeah. Even though this whole thing was his fault. <laughs> well, you know, it's complicated, you might say. <laughs> we find out that Draymond actually hasn't written anything since the wall fell because, you know, what is there to write in this new Germany? Yes. I thought this was interesting. Mm-hmm. Because... He knew what he... Because he, when, when he had... He had all the inspiration to write when he was, you know, trying to rail against the regime. But now that Mm. there is no regime, what does he write about? 
Right. I mean, like Germany itself, he had to come up with a new identity. Mm-hmm. And then here's where it got, where I was interested, where Draymond asks, why was he never under surveillance? Everyone mm. else was. Why not me? Mm. But then, uh, what's his name? Hemp tells him that he was under full surveillance. Every inch of his apartment was bugged. Mm. And he's even told to look behind the light switches. Why do you think the minister told Draymond that? Because he had no, there was no consequence to telling him now. Mm. I also thought it was like to lord it over him a little oh, yeah. bit That's to like true. show off yeah. that he knew something about Draymond that Draymond didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also kind of amazed that he's still living in the same place. <laughs> eh, I mean, if you get that, if you have a place, I, especially in East Germany, you know, apartments are expensive. Yeah, and hard to come by. Mm. Also, I'm, I know, was it here? There was some point where we, I saw like the only glimpse of a Trabant, surprisingly. I was, there was just thinking one about in, like, a Trabant right... as well. <laughs> Like there's, it's either here or in the very next scene where we see a Trabant like on the road. It's like, hey, a Trabby. <laughs> nice. But yeah, back at his apartment, he like looks around. He looks behind the light switches and finds like all of the wires, and he's like pulling them up to see where they go. And there's just all this, you know, vax complexity of wires all mm. pulled out. I feel like if this were a different movie, then he would be doing this like while they're still surveying him, and then it would lead to a cross country manhunt with helicopters and stuff. <laughs> But yeah, so he later goes to the research site and memorial um, for the Stasi, I assume. Well, that's what the so the this is what the caption like the translation says for the sign research site yeah. and memorial. Maybe it's to all the people Stasi killed. Maybe. Well, not, not yeah. Not memorial is not for the Stasi, but research well, site I mean, for it, the I Stasi. Mean, it might be. <laughs> it might have been put out by the Soviet. Uh, authorities and then they uh, just left maybe. it there but it's mm. a place where you can basically you know freedom of information act any files yeah, <laughs> before right. there was a freedom of information act obviously mm. so he goes to look for all the files on himself and they're brought on this giant cart and Draymond starts reading uh, Operation Laszlo and it's like all of the surveillance on him so it's like the first lines which is what we he, re, er, see uh, Weisler typing up about how they open the presents and presumably have intercourse. Yeah, the famous line from before. <laughs> uh, but then he gets to the night where Paul Hauser was supposed to be going across the border. but And he realizes that the surveillance officer, whoever wrote this, covered for him for some reason. Mm-hmm. And like he reads more about how, like you know, other parts and like, you know, when they were struggling with the the uh, editing the article he had covered it up as them like being struggling about the play yeah it's it like come on come on the movie's over like we've reached the emotional high point of the movie like let, let, we <laughs> saw we all this already let's move it along I, I don't know <laughs> I enjoy this I enjoyed him getting to actually especially since we've spent so much time with him not mm. knowing I like the revelation yeah that's fair uh, but I also like that he starts to look for all the initials and he sees HGWXX7 mm-hmm. and he goes over to one of the clerks is like who is this and well before but before he does that he also sees Krista Marie's signed like confession letter and agreement to become an, affor- an informant mm-hmm. and like looks at the timeline is like wait how would she be able to move the typewriter because <laughs> she she wasn't home yet exactly 
And then he also sees the note about uh, HGW XX7's promotion ban. So he, yeah, he goes over to the clerk to find out who HGW was and finds Weisler's information. Mm-hmm. So he goes over to drive to the neighborhood where Weisler now works as a postman. He like gets out of his car and it looks like he's about to walk up to him, but he decides against it. So this was very cool. Yeah. What did you if think about it? I I wasn't necessarily disappointed. I, I I liked the moment. I was like, and I but I, I kind of wanted him to actually say it, but I understand why he did. So it was a good moment. It was probably be very difficult for him because yeah. there's a lot of memories there. But this, I also maybe this is me kind of overdoing it like I normally do. But uh-huh. I also was wondering if there was like a subtext to this because. In the book that we're going to talk about a little bit later in Spy Fact versus Fiction called Stasi Land, mm-hmm. they talk about how when the Soviet Union fell and Germany was reintegrated, mm-hmm. in the words of Malcolm Reynolds, they're all just folk now. Yep. Nobody went to prison. None of the oh. former Stasi people like went to prison or, or were killed or anything like that. And then uh-huh. l- let alone, you know, 200,000 informants, were they all going to get punished? Uh-huh. No. So then suddenly you have victims and victimizers. They all need to learn to live together yeah. in the new Germany. And they have yeah. to be able to put the past behind them if they're going right. to move forward. So I wondered if the, the relationship between these two people is like the country in microcosm. I'd say so, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good, that's a good, yeah, I like that. Also nice to use a microcosm. Thank you. So we go to um, two years later. Uh, there's a bookstore uh, which Weisler is passing by on his route, and he sees like this giant ad for Draymond's latest book, which is called "A Sonata for a Good Man" or yeah, just "Sonata a, for a Good Man." Yeah, they do a little bit of like the physical comedy where he like walks he, by like, it and then turns and, and goes comes around. Back. Yeah, <laughs> and so he goes in and like picks up a copy and like goes flipping through the pages, and he sees that the book is dedicated to HGW XX7. And so he goes to pay for it. And I like this, the line where uh, the, ask, the shopkeeper asks, you know, would you like a gift wrap? And he said, no, it's for me. And, and that the movie ends. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for our spy fact versus fiction. I can go first. All right. Let me, I'll go first. I, Cause I've just got a few things. Okay, sure. So with an, uh, like, this is one thing that stood out to me in the, just in the opening text mm-hmm. where it says, you know, Glasnost is nowhere to be found. I feel like we, or was it Perestroika? One of the two. I think it was, it was Glasnost. Glasnost. It was Glasnost, yeah. But we've talked about, I feel like we've talked about it before, but uh, this is from a Time article, actually about, uh, it's from a Time article about the death of Mikhail Gorbachev, actually, mm-hmm. who apparently died, what, uh, last year in uh, in August. And mm-hmm. so they're talking about, all right, you know, yes, he was famous for these, but what do they actually mean? So glasnost means openness, particularly openness of information, and perestroika means restructuring, specifically of the communist economy and political system. The terms went hand in hand because together they reformed, the reforms they described would make the Soviet Union more democratic and incorporate some features of capitalism to revitalize the economy. Yeah, it's basically liberalizing the economy. Yeah. So that's what one of the things I have. And the other thing I have, which I, I don't know if you caught this, when they're mm. going in to install all the bugs, what uh, 
so they don't they pick the lock, but they use what's called a snap cut gun, oh, also known yeah. as a lock pick gun or a pick gun or an electric lock pick. That's from mm. Wikipedia. It's a tool that can be used to open a pin tumbler lock without using a key. A thin steel blade, similar in shape to a lock pick, is certain to the lock, and the snap gun briefly fires a blade against all of the pins simultaneously, momentarily, momentarily freeing the cylinder and enabling it to be turned using a tension wrench. So it's a lot faster than a tension or a conventional lock pick. That's interesting. I thought they just had some kind of magic thing that gave them access to all the doors and the oh, no. I've I've seen one of these in action before, and they are scarily fast. It's just like zit zit, and that's it. Mm. As opposed to, you know, I've we've I think we've both done some lock picking like things at at spy museum events, yep. and that can take a lot of time. Whereas with mm. this thing is just, you know, obviously we're, you know amateurs at it so maybe other people are be a lot faster but still but not, not that never fast be, yeah never gonna be as fast as a snap gun but i did note that when he gets uh when weisler goes into the attic he uses tr- traditional picks hmm. yeah probably because snap gun yeah it might be loud Just yeah but it's not it's a, at the same time where they're setting up everything it's not like you no. know i don't so i'm not sure why at one they use one and the other use the other but I also hmm. like that he. A lot of times when they show lock picking in movies, they will just have the pick. They won't have the tension wrench as well. Uh-huh. But he actually showed both. I was like, okay, kudos. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So that's what I got for Spy Fact for Spy Fiction. Okay, so like I mentioned, I read a very good book called Stasi Land: Stories from Behind the Berlin Wall by Anna Funder. We'll see if we can do a microdot about this a little bit later once I have all the notes organized. Just a couple things from this. Obsessed with detail, the Stasi failed to predict the end of communism and the Soviet Union along with it. (laughs) It went from a Stalinist spy unit one day to a museum in the next. Oh, wow. And in its 40 years, what they called the firm generated the equivalent of all records in German history since the Middle Ages. Wow. Placed end to end, the files the Stasi kept on their countrymen and women would form a line 180 kilometers long. Damn, okay. And in American, that's really long. I didn't look it up. <laughs> and I think this isn't in the book, but a lot of the files is exactly what uh, our hero mm-hmm. wrote, which is just people doing normal stuff. So yeah. we'll do one story about a woman named Miriam, who she says that she officially became an enemy of the state at 16. Oh. Her and a friend of hers named Ursula made leaflets that are protesting the regime and stuck them up uh-huh. around town one night. They wore gloves as not to leave fingerprints, went all over town, and they would have gotten away with that, except that they went one step too far when they went to a building where some of their classmates lived and put leaflets in the litter boxes of two boys they knew. And one of those boys' parents called the police. So wait up, you're telling me that they would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids? Or more like the meddling parents. Well, yeah, but the kids, I mean, come on. You said they would have gone to, I was like, I have to complete this. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I mean, that was Miriam's theory, at least. So after being arrested, they were in solitary confinement for a month. No visits from their parents or lawyers, books, no newspapers, or even a phone call. And they had the classic prisoner's dilemma from from the Stasi, where one would be told the other one had betrayed them. And Miriam said, eventually they break you just like fiction. They used the old mm-hmm. trick and told each of us the other had admitted, so we might as well, too. Yeah. And then when they were let out to admit their trials, Miriam thought there's no way she's going back to the Stasi prison, got on a train for Berlin to go over the wall. Oh. Okay. Get up? 
Well, we'll see. So that's where the story continued. So she tried to use a stepladder to scale one of the borders on Earth, and she said, oh. I still have scars in my hands from climbing the barbed wire when oh. you couldn't see so them so well 30 years later when she was being interviewed. There was a part where she hopped over a fence and came face to face with an attack dog. Oh, geez. She said, I don't know why it didn't attack me. I don't know how dogs see, but maybe it had been trained to attack moving targets, and maybe huh. it thought it was another dog. <laughs> So when she got to the wall, she said, the railing was really only so high. All I had to do was get under it. I had been so very careful and so very slow. You only had four more steps, just run. But then she encountered a tripwire. She didn't see it. Sirens went off, wailing. There were searchlights to find her, and the Easter guards took her away. She said, I think they probably demoted that dog, poor thing. (laughs) Either that or shot him. But the main point of the questioning night after night was to extract the names of the underground escape organizations that helped her. How did she know how to get there? She had ever been to Berlin before. Who taught her how to deal with barbed wire? And most insistently, who told her how to get past the dogs? Quote, <laughs> they just could not fathom how I got past that dog, she says. <laughs> so I know this isn't exactly related to the lives of others, but... But it's I mean, a, it's, it's a talking preview, about the whole yeah. experience of East Germany. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, of course, a couple more quotes. Everyone suspected everyone else, and the mistrust that spread was the foundation of social existence. Yeah. The only, and the last thing, the only mass medium the government couldn't control was the signal from Western television stations, huh. which was not in the movie for some reason. Yeah. Um, but the government did try. Until the early 1970s, the Stasi used to monitor the angles of people and Tanai hanging out of their apartments and punishing them if they turned towards the West. And later they gave up the benefits of soporific commercial programming apparently outweighed the dangers of news bulletins from the free world. Uh. All right. So now it is time for our favorite quotes. Some have been mentioned already. I can go first. (laughs) Sure. Someone says, you know, writers are engineers of the soul. And someone else said, didn't Stalin say that? (laughs) Uh, I did like when I I like the one about the intercourse and well as the one about the ball. I like somebody probably Draymond says, if you don't take a stand, you aren't human. Hmm. Uh, I also thought there was a cool line where his friend says, we have a lot to gain from this love story or a lot to lose. (laughs) Uh, yeah, just this once, my friend, like we mentioned. And then finally, towards the end, the minister says, life was good in our little republic. Mm. Which is like, ooh, so creepy. I liked it. <laughs> so I've got two. One, we, you kind of touched on it, but here's the whole quote. It says, an innocent prisoner will become more angry by the hour due to the injustice served. He will shout in rage. A guilty prisoner becomes more calm and quiet, or he cries. He knows there's, he's there for a reason. The best way to establish guilt or innocence is nonstop interrogation. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that was certainly the Stasi's method. Yeah, that that was their motto. But the other one I liked is that after the first time that they uh, search his house and like rip up the, his pillows and stuff like that, he says, "In the unlikely event that damage has occurred, you may claim compensation." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like he's really going to get compensation for that. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I feel like you probably, if you haven't been to a gulag yet, something would happen if we get asked yeah. for a conversation. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I've got. Okay, so now it's time for our ratings on a scale of 1 to 10 martinis, 1 being Avengers 1998, and 10 being Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, or better, how would we rate the lives of others? All right. Do you want to go first, Zach? Sure. So. I have mixed feelings. All right. I was very interested in a movie about life in a surveillance state. Mm-hmm. 
the performances were really good and the story was interesting, it, it didn't quite reach the level that I was hoping. All right. And I can't articulate it very well. Where I was kind of hoping I would go with that, it was kind of slow because it is a foreign movie. But the twists and the turns... Hey, not all foreign movies are slow. Look at RRR. RRR is really long. It's <laughs> but not you, slow, but, though. But you're right, it's not slow. Yeah, the relationship between the characters was really interesting and the way it all shook out. So I, I do think that... I can see why people like it as much as they do, even if it totally didn't work for me. So I'm going to give it a 7.5. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Um, maybe it's because my, it's my first time watching it. And I like, I knew it was supposed to be kind of long and depressing, which I mean, it is both those things, but it didn't necessarily feel that way. Hmm. And I was engaged in it. It's an interesting sort of, it's also talking in a way about, I'm wondering if, and maybe it's just because of the, the manner that I was watching it in, because I was watching it and also typing notes on it. And I was like, well, this is sort of a meta level of, you know, Weisler is watching or listening to these people and mm. typing his notes on them as I'm doing that as well. And there's <laughs> like, uh -huh. yeah, just a real meta experience there. And I, like there was also more humor in there than I, than I was expecting. So like there was moments of levity amongst all of it. But, and for me, just the, I, that like I having no experience in being in the surveillance state other than, you know, what we, the world that we live in now, which mm -hmm. is not necessarily a real comparison. I like, I thought it sort of, for me, it captured that feeling of just constant surveillance and also just the, like, actually the moment that got me about, like was what was well was the moment in the cafeteria with where Grobitz is like, you know, one bad word about the uh, the part the party leader, and he was about like it, he scared that you know junior officer that it would ruin his entire career. So that like that feeling of you know one wrong word against the party, you know, it, yeah, the tension was there. So I appreciated that and. Uh, yeah, so it, it worked for me a lot more than I, and I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. So I'm going to eight and a half uh, martinis out of 10. Yeah, I didn't think it was that depressing. We've seen more depressing movies. No, it's not it, like it, it ended, wasn't, yeah. It's not like it ended with everyone in prison <laughs> or dead. No, it actually ended that, on a right? hopeful note. So I was like, but like just due to the nature of it and what I'd heard about it, I thought it was going to be just sort of endlessly depressing. And it wasn't. So I was glad for that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that you really liked that. Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, I don't know if I'd watch it again, or like, or, or at least not in a long time, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, very good. It's um, not necessarily it doesn't have rewatchability, but hmm. yeah. that's fair. So what this movie also did remind me of. So there's a great, uh, and I know we always talk about the Spy Museum here because we love the Spy Museum. But mm -hmm. in the current Spy Museum, there's a great section on East Berlin where you actually, you know, you it's set behind. A section of the actual Berlin Wall, which is really cool. But they have a Stasi headquarters, which has a bunch of files. It talks about, I think his name is Marcus Wolf, who is the head of the Stasi. Mm -hmm. But they also have an interrogation room. And now I kind of want to go in there to see, does it have bear any resemblance to the rooms that they have there? But they have this great uh, interactive activity where you can sort of watch it. They have a couple of ones there. Where you, one where you sort of are watching a video screen and you're trying to sort of catch all of the different tells that people might have if they're lying. Mm. And there's another way you can actually sit, you know, uh, 
across from someone else, like with these video screens in front of you, but there's cameras and you can try to you know, spot their tells as they're, you know, they have to tell a lie or tell a truth. And right. so it's a, you know, fun kind of thing, but also wait, are we training people to be Stasi agents? <laughs> I sell that. I, I don't find that fun. That kind of freaks me out. It's a little oh. too close to home. Oh. I, I think it's interesting is what it is. Yeah. It could be both. It could be both. Yeah. You know, interesting is still kind of traumatic. And also, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I went to Hochschenhausen. Hock, right. yeah. So I'll send you some pictures for our social media. Yeah, yeah. If you want to share it. Let's just say that not all of the rooms that the people were kept in were as nice as the ones in the movie. Oh, oh. okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, oh, so I, also, I also wanted to... Sorry, I also oh, wanted yeah. to mention, I read the biography of Marcus Wolf called Man yeah. Without a Face. Mm, yeah. And it ended up not really being suitable for a micro dot. But oh. if you're curious, you can check it out. Just because I don't think it had enough kind of good, funny, or interesting stories. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. But I did read that. Oh, cool. All right. Well, with that, we'll end our episode. Thank you all for joining us. You can find us on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and our merch store at redbubble.com. Until next time, I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.